Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Monday, June the 10th, I'm your host, D.A. Tonight, Game 5 NBA Finals in Toronto. And before the series began, everybody would have assumed if either team had a chance to clinch tonight, it would be the Warriors. Quick series for Golden State, who's a modern-day dynasty in their fifth straight NBA Finals. But instead, no KD, and the Raptors said no problem. They've taken advantage of a banged-up Warriors team and right now sit one win away from their first-ever franchise championship and the first-ever professional sports championship out of the four major sports in the city of Toronto since the early 90s. So can Toronto close it tonight? Well, we still don't know whether Kevin Durant's going to go. KD, a game-time decision listed as questionable right now for the Warriors heading into tonight's game. So let's begin with the NBA TV's Chris Miles, who joined 106.7 The Fan in D.C. and Grant and Danny. What do you think? KD going to go tonight? He practiced yesterday. He is questionable tonight. Dog and Pony showed it to keep this interesting and keep the Raptors guessing, or do you think he actually goes? Well, the key word to use there is interesting for people trying to pay attention to the finals because if Kevin Durant doesn't play, you look at every stat and it points to this thing being over and the NBA will have some issues with ratings, right? Because this is the, what, 35th time that a team has gone up 3-1 to one in the finals. 18 of them have won that game 5. 13 of them have won that game 6. So that's 31 of the 34 times we've seen this before. The finals end in one or two games after the team goes up 3-1. to one. But if Kevin Durant comes back, then you think, oh, this has the same intrigue as the Cleveland Cavaliers who came back, the only team to ever do that when they beat the Warriors in 2016. So I think to have that narrative out there is good for the league. But when Kevin Durant went out, a calf strain, if he has that, if that's what they're saying it is, that's what we're going to go with, is a six-week injury. It's only been five weeks. I just don't see how he comes out there and plays an NBA Finals game. I mean, he's not going to be in you know, peak shape. He's not going to be able to run up and down the court and be the contributor that we know him to be. So I don't see how that would be a factor into this equation. I just don't see it. At Chris Miles TV on Twitter, NBA TV host, NBC Sports Washington here in D.C. joins us on the Mattress Warehouse Hotline. So how does Golden State do it? How do they survive this one? Because I think everybody has the feeling if they get one, maybe Toronto puckers a little bit. Maybe people, you know, you get some momentum, that Golden State pedigree, et cetera. How do they win tonight? I have a hard time seeing it. Well, it's as simple as someone else. Look, the Splash Brothers had 55 points the last game, and the the Warriors still scored, what, beneath 100, right? They just weren't good offensively. They weren't the Golden State Warriors. They're going to need someone like Boogie 
to to be more of a factor on offense. You can't have him scoring single digits and you have the Splash Brothers scoring and no one else. I don't really look at Draymond Green ever as a guy that's going to get you 20-plus. Maybe he has one game like that. Uh, but, again, if Kevin Durant's not going to come back, they need someone else to be a third scorer and to be a consistent threat on offense. Right now, they don't have that. They're going to need their bench players to score more than 18 points. I think that's the key if the Warriors are going to come back. And, really, it's crazy to say, but I just don't see that happening. Chris, if Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors win the finals, I don't care if it's tonight or in the next couple of games after, does it make it more likely or less likely that he stays in Toronto? I don't think anyone that tells you they know the answer to that question <laughs> is a liar. Honestly. And I mean that from the perspective of I've heard so much. I mean, this person knows Kevin Durant. That person knows Kevin Durant. He's going to the Knicks. You know, he's going. There's so many people that claim to know the answer to that question when Kevin Durant probably doesn't know yet. With Kawhi Leonard, you don't hear a single word. I mean, there's you can be around NBA play, players, front office members. No one knows anything in, in what he's thinking. And I think that's because he doesn't vocalize that. I'd be shocked if he vocalizes that to his inner circle. His inner circle is probably two or three people. So um, I can't give you an intelligent answer on that. If I tried to give you one, I'd be lying to you. Personally, I don't think he's going to go. I think this has been strategic for the Warriors to give the Raptors something to think about. But the fact that he was so limited at practice yesterday, and that was the first time he has practiced the entire postseason, at least since the injury, makes me feel like over a month you're out of commission. You're not suddenly going to come back into a high-octane NBA Finals game unless you are 100% ready to go and without fear of re-injuring yourself. And that's just not the case with Kevin Durant. I think the Warriors do not want to push him into a potential further injury on the eve of his free agency when they want to win him back. So in my mind, I don't think KD is going to go tonight. So without Kevin Durant, the Warriors have looked like a shell of their former selves. The Toronto Raptors have taken advantage of it, winning three of the first four games in both on the road in Oakland. So can Bay Area fans finally start feeling nervous? They are conditioned to imagine the best optimist and perhaps just a little bit arrogant. So can... Oakland and East Bay sports fans finally, finally have something to be nervous about right now. Joe Lowe and Dibs at 95.7 of the game in San Francisco. I've been known to go a little dark. and It's called trolling. Trolling, you know, people like, oh, what is he going to say? My thing is, let's be honest. Joe talked about 13 out of 16 quarters Toronto has led and has dominated. Has won. And has won. So if we look at just... The body of work, which we've had a large sample size now, and to say the Warrior team right now that they're playing with is not better. It's fair to say that it's not better than Toronto team that they're putting out there. Clay Thompson. So missed, far, I'm not feeling all warm I'm, and fuzzy. I, I know. I'm just. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah, I know. Clay Thompson missed one out of the four games, and they still lost two with him while he played. So it goes to show you, we can say what we want. But the Toronto looks to be a little bit better. The saving news is Looney, Clay Thompson, Igadala, Steph Curry's hand, all those guys that are injured. There's a guy that everyone's been looking at and saying, will he play? Can he play? People say he could play, but will he? Does he want to play? I think you're at a point, guys, that yes. I'm going to let you guys know, Warrior fans, get ready. 
know this. Will it be enough? That's going to be the question. KD is absolutely going to play tonight. So where are your plans? Get ready. You got KD. You got the best player in the association is going to suit up tonight and play. Doesn't that a great tease? That's it. All right. The tease was outstanding. I'm trying to work my way through this year. You're giving us reason for optimism, and it's that Katie's going to play. You don't know he's going to play. You're just predicting he's going to play. Right, and if he does, in fact, play, then that sets us up for a uh, a dearly beloved moment for you because your take of KD, then we should just cut right to the chase and funeralize you. No, 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 no. I am excited that he's this optimistic about KD playing because it also means, are you talking about the funeral for him saying KD would not play? Correct. Because I was going to say if he doesn't play tonight, then that sets you up for a funeral on what you just did right there. Yeah. You You got a funeral cut. You put yourself in it. All right, for you to be willing to put yourself in a Funeralize it. funeral regardless situation. And, a funeral's coming. And, Something's got to die. Right, absolutely. And, and here's <laughs> it's a cra- cold. And here's the crazy thing. It's like wearing a wingsuit and jumping and, off a cliff. Right. And, and the crazy thing about it is, it's no different than my Portland take when I said the third game, I said after the third game, I'll tell you, you guys wouldn't let me have it. Then yesterday, before it happened, he's like, well, well, let me bend the knee now with KD. And it's like, it was already, it's pretty much the same amount of time. Let's not go down all these other, okay. Okay, other right. avenues right now. Now I'll tell you. The yesterday reason. was Sunday, the Lord's oh, Day. Oh, Lord. Okay, let, me tell you, there. let me tell you why he's going to play. Think about all the goodwill KD's had here. He's came here and helped this team win two, not one, but two championships. All the things surrounding KD, everyone was so happy this guy here, even though it could be different at times. Now you're in a situation that KD has to play. He has to play because everyone is injured. Everyone still played. He has to play because now if he leaves, whether he leaves or stay, people are going to look at him and say, this guy let us down. He's in a must situation. He's been, they've been wondering about, can KD play? Katie could play. It's does he want to play? And I think now he's in a must situation for all the goodwill that he's had. All the what those two championships won't mean anything. Talking about stadium and plaques and all these things that people are going to look at. They will. The majority of the fans will turn on KD if they if he doesn't play tonight. I think he understands that. I think that even if they lose, tonight he has to play. He has to show that he's going to try to get on the court. I really believe, mark it here, that KD is going to play tonight. Okay. Okay. Very. You got me excited? Hell yeah, Warriors fans should be nervous. Because more than likely, KD doesn't play. And if he does, he's going to be limited. And you're on the road against a team that has thoroughly dominated you for three out of the four games and much of that second game as well that you actually won. You know, if you're not getting nervous, then you really have too much arrogance as a Warriors fan or a media member. Because there is a way to respect the opponent that I think Warriors fans still don't want to admit. Toronto's better. They've been better. And they're going to finish this thing tonight because KD's not going to be there or he's not going to make enough of a difference Toronto wraps this thing up tonight in my mind. There are some silly people out there that have said, well, if the Raptors do win a championship, it's not at full strength for the Warriors. And so there's got to be an asterisk as they try to diminish what Toronto's been able to accomplish. But I think that's stupid. Here's Josh Lewinberg, who agrees with me. He's the Raptors reporter for TSN Sports, and he joined WFNZ in Charlotte. It's a silly narrative. Um, It's a short-sighted narrative, one that I imagine is being pushed by people that are either choosing to forget uh, how the Warriors won their championships or just aren't aware of it. But uh, I think if you look specifically at Golden State's situation, um, would they have won three 
titles in four years if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love were available in the 2015 finals? Would they have uh, won the championship in 2017 um, if Kawhi Leonard didn't go down the Western Conference Finals in Game 1? Would they have even made it to the finals last year if Chris Paul didn't get hurt in Game 5 in the Western Conference Finals and was able to play in either Game 6 or Game 7 with Houston up 3-2. And that's not that I'm not arguing in favor of there being asterisks uh, next to their championships either. I'm just saying this this happens all the time. I mean, hey, even the, the championship that the finals that Golden State lost uh, and, and Cleveland won coming back from that 3-1 deficit. A lot of that, of course, had to do with Draymond being suspended in Game 5. So it goes both ways, and that's sort of the point I'm making, where the, the season is so long, an 82-game slog, and then obviously the playoffs is long and grueling. To make it through and to win a championship, first of all, you have to be a great team. The Raptors are a great team. Uh, but you also need some luck along the way. You're not going to make it all the way through, and you're not going to make it to the end and win without catching a few breaks here and there. So, yeah, I mean, the Raptors have done that here. They, they Obviously, not having Kevin Brandt in the mix has changed things for the Warriors some, but does it diminish what the Raptors have accomplished? Uh, no, for the reasons that I just stated, as well as the fact that this Warriors team, even without Kevin Durant, might be one of the best teams of all time. They won a championship without him. They won an NBA record 73 games without him. Um, so they uh, are still really good. And the Raptors, I still think, uh, d- despite the injury to Kevin Durant, they have earned everything they've gotten. And if they come out of this and if they win tonight or, or win the championship at any point over the next couple of weeks, um, it'll be because they've earned it. Does a title win in Toronto help Kawhi's future in Toronto? He can't leave if he wins a title, right? Uh, I don't think it hurts. I'll put it that way. But uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think let's put it this way. If Kawhi decides to leave, and if he decides to go to the Clippers, as, as some believe that he will, it's not going to be because the Raptors didn't have the success that they wanted to this year. It's not going to be because he could get more money there, because, of course, the Raptors can offer him the most amount of money in an extra year. And, and it's not really going to be, I don't think, because of trust either, because the Raptors have established that mutual trust with him. If Kawhi leaves, it will be because he wants to play close to home and maybe because he wants to play in a warmer climate. And those things, of course, aren't going to change if the Raptors win the championship. But it would be nice if if we could get some warmer weather here if the Raptors win the championship. But that's unfortunately not the way that it works. I mean, those things you can't control. You can't change. The Raptors, I know, are are confident in, in their in their pitch, in their sales pitch that they can make to Kawhi and their chances of keeping him because they have done what they can do. They've controlled what they can control. And if it comes down to any of those factors that I mentioned before, then I think he stays. But ultimately, if he decides to go, I think it'll mean that he was always going to go, that those factors that the Clippers can offer, being close to home and the weather and all that, were always his priority. So I just think it'll depend what his priorities are, what he wants. That's what makes this so fascinating, because even after all these years of getting to know Kawhi as much as we can get to know a professional athlete, we still don't know very much about him and, and what drives him, what makes him tick. But guess what? 
I think we're going to find out a lot more about him over these next few weeks once he makes his decision. Man, to be anything less than super impressed with how Toronto's gone about their business is ridiculous because Kawhi Leonard has completely reshaped the expectations of that organization and what that team felt like they could accomplish. And it's so small-minded to say, well, they wouldn't be able to do this if Kevin Durant played. Well, guess what? Clay Thompson and Kevon Looney played in game number four at home in Oakland, and Toronto still won that game. And oh, by the way, the Warriors looked great without Kevin Durant sweeping through the Portland Trail Blazers, and that was a team that also didn't have KD, as we just mentioned, where the Toronto Raptors are running circles around them. So that's how much better, to me, Toronto is than anybody else that could have faced them in the NBA Finals. This is a bad matchup for Golden State. It's not just because they're without Kevin Durant. This is how good Toronto actually is. The scariest story from the weekend was in the Dominican Republic when David Ortiz, Big Poppy, was hit by a gunshot. A would-be assassin came up from behind him and shot him at near point-blank range. Thankfully, David Ortiz is going to be okay. But the reaction to a crazy story in the Dominican Republic Here's Boomer Esiason and Greg Giannotti on WFAN in New York Monday morning. When you see uh, the Twitter uh, video of them catching this guy. Yeah, and then he's just, he's getting kicked in the head. He's getting punched. There's blood all over the place. There's another picture after the police got him, after the medical attention where his face is swollen. I mean, David Ortiz, I mean, the word icon in the Dominican Republic, I think isn't even doing it justice. I mean, he, he has got living legend status sure, of course. in the Dominican. So, I mean, th- this guy, whoever he is, whatever the reason is, does not have a bright future, and the justice is going to be just Swift. about, I yes. I would imagine Swift. Oh, without a doubt. So it's going to be very interesting, though. I mean, listen, I'll admit, you know, first off, you, you want to know that he's okay. We found that out. The second part of this is the gawker in me, the the one who wants to know the storyline, is very curious to know, you know why the hell would a guy this beloved in his home country be the target of an attack like yeah, that? Well, that's why I say, you know, it could it could it be something else that's going on in his life that is the impetus to this, or is it a gang gangland shooting? Is it something that is a something as crazy as uh, initiation type of thing. Who knows? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, listen, I, uh, nothing would surprise me, right? No, who right. knows? Would, would anything surprise you? Would any reason surprise you without crazy that um, some of the stuff we've heard coming out of Dominican lately? No, like, does he owe somebody money? Uh, you know, did he hurt the, the guy's sister? You know, I, I, who knows? Who knows yeah. what the situation is? But ultimately, we'll get to the bottom of that. But <laughs> I know one thing. Watching the watching the Twitter vid of the guy, the, the perpetrator, getting nailed by all these guys out in the street was not that was not pretty either. no no none of it was none of it was you know i i fear sometimes that we get desensitized by these things because immediately the video is up there and we're watching not only david ortiz get shot in the back but then this guy get beaten to within an inch of his life by other people who are defending david ortiz and it's like i mean it really is amazing seeing these things in picture just hours after they happened but yeah i mean there'll be more to this story and we had to start there and i guess the the most important thing in all of it as crazy as all of it is is that this guy could have been you know aimed better and shot him in the head and it would have been over instantly it could have caught him in the heart from the back it could have hit another organ could have burst an art none of that happened 
I mean, just think about the luck in this, and I'm sure we'll find out how close that bullet was to really getting something bad. We went right through him. He's okay. He's going to make a full recovery. But we will keep you updated if we hear anything else this morning on what the deal was with this whole David Ortiz shooting in the Dominican. Truly a terrifying story, considering just how serious the gunshot wound was. And there was a six-hour surgery to remove his gallbladder and to repair his insides and take out part of his colon, take out part of his intestine. But thankfully, sounds like he's going to be okay. But man, does this not just put Big Poppy at the next level of being a deity? I mean, he was already a godlike person in the Dominican Republic and around baseball circles and certainly in Boston. And now... He survives this, the guy that rallied that entire city after the Boston Marathon. He survives this, the legacy and the lore of David Ortiz just jumped another level. Thank goodness he's okay. In Houston, bizarre timing. It's June and the Texas decide to fire their general manager, Brian Gain, canned. And here's Sports Radio 610 in Houston's triple threat, to discuss whether this is a new and antsy organization for the Houston Texans. I think Bill O'Brien and Brian Gain, I think, are viewed by a lot of people as sort of a package deal. Absolutely. In so much as we know that Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith were the opposite of a package deal. So I think there was at least the feeling that Brian Gain was a Bill O'Brien guy to some extent. Rich, to me, the bigger story about this is that this is not... This, this is the first salvo that this is Cal McNair running this thing. This is not Bob McNair. Bob McNair was one of the ultimate patient, maybe overly patient with yeah. people. Um, and I, without knowing all the reasons behind it, I don't want to say that this is something Bob McNair would not have done. But this is something that if we take the overall character and behavior of this organization going back to 2002 – this is something that is a complete departure from that. To punt on a general manager for whatever the reasons may be after a year and a half, to me, sh shows on the surface a gigantic cultural shift in terms of just the overall patience of whatever's going on over there behind the scenes. And I think, quite honestly, Rich, for a lot of Texan fans, I think they look at it and they, there's, there's probably – there's probably a lot of Texan fans out there seeing this well, move today. Rich, going in some ways, it feels like they're maybe operating like a like it, a like a real NFL team is in some ways. It may be a cultural shift. There may be something going on with regard to Brian Gain and how he did about doing his how he went about doing his job that we don't know of yet. That we may learn of, may or may not learn of. I don't know. But I'm with you on the inclusion of the phrase high character in this statement and what that probably means. To me, that probably means. That And look, when we first heard this during the break, my immediate assumption was, well, this is probably nothing related to football or running the team. This is the timing of this, the suddenness of this. Sounds like there might be something going on in Brian Gaines, perhaps his personal life, that is going to be a real problem for this organization. And they're going to have to part ways with him. But when he says Brian is a man of high character... I don't think there's going to be any skeleton revealed in his personal closet that's going to turn out to be the reason for this happening today. We're kind of left to wonder exactly what's going on. And uh, I mean, This is a fascinating development. If you're just tuning in, John McClain tweeted this 14 minutes ago. He just jumped on with us for a minute or so, but his bosses at the Chronicle are calling. Big news. The Texans have fired general manager Brian Gain 
one and a half years into his five-year contract, and they've begun an immediate search for his replacement. Executive senior VP and cap expert Chris Olson is currently in charge till they find a replacement. I, I guess, Rich, you know, the one thing about the timing of all this, it is at a point on the NFL calendar where normally you'd go, okay, well, the draft is in the books, free agency is in the books. I guess the one thing I would say is that Certainly the one move that everybody here at Sports Radio 610 on the air has been pining for over the last 24 to 48 hours is a move that you probably need a general manager in place to go execute, and that would be, is Trent Williams available? But this story transcends so much Trent Williams that Brian Gain, that this organization, Rich, the organization where Rick Smith had a job as general manager for a team that was largely a 500 team for 12 years, is firing a general manager who I think most people thought the grade probably incomplete because it was only a year and a half. But generally speaking, you know, I, I think Brian Gain, I, I'm not going to say I was bullish on him like A minus, A plus bullish, but I, I certainly liked his draft from last year. He wasn't as active in free agency as I think a lot of people would have liked him to be, and we'll wait and see what this draft class has to hold. Um, but he wasn't a person who was failing at his job in terms right. of the execution that, that we saw. I would just be very curious what the underlying reasons are. Oh, because we all want to know. Right, the above-the-surface reasons. Sure. It would appear that thus far in his tenure as general manager that his body of work in terms of drafting and acquiring players um, is not one that it's worthy of termination a year and a half right. in. Look, they're right. The Texans have always been seen as a super patient organization, which have probably been too patient in the past with players, with GMs, with coaches, and with the status quo. And so now, in 18 months, to have a third GM come in means that this organization is no longer okay with the status quo if that status quo isn't winning and winning big. And this is this is interesting because it means that Bill O'Brien is the chosen one in this organization, that he's been able to survive and outlast two previous GMs and now on to his third. So essentially, we know who really runs the organization in Houston, and that is... Bill O'Brien, which is curious considering he's never won anything of note. They've got a couple of AFC South Division championships, but they're not a team that finds themselves in an AFC championship game or knocking on the door to a Super Bowl or in a Super Bowl. And so, man, is this really the coach that you want to harness your entire future to no matter who the GM is? Finally, in the Stanley Cup final, St. Louis Blues had a chance to clinch the cup at home last night and blew it as the Bruins blow through them and now force a Game 7 back in Boston. How is this for an amazing stat? The Bruins have never hosted a Game 7. They'll finally do so in their entire history. Here's NBC Sports Hockey Voice, Kenny Albert, on the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. So the St. Louis Post-Dispatch prematurely thanking the Blues for winning the Stanley Cup before Game 7. Somewhat embarrassing. Uh, Have they provided an explanation for that? Yeah, I saw that yesterday. I guess that was online. That wasn't in the actual newspaper, okay. uh, which I bought yesterday, but it was in the online version. Apparently the Blues and some of their advertisers had this ready just in case they won last night, and I guess somebody hit the wrong button. I haven't uh, seen an official explanation, but, uh, yeah, that was not 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 a good move uh, yesterday, and that, that certainly hit the Internet a couple of hours before the game. Now, something I did not realize, Boston, an original six team, this is the first time they've hosted a Game 7 for the Stanley Cup? First time they've hosted a Game 7. They've obviously won Stanley Cups and uh, been in numerous Stanley Cup finals through the years, but 
they've always either won it or lost it earlier, uh, you know, when they've had home ice advantage. So 95-year history, this will be the first time the Bruins host a Game 7. It's the 17th Game 7 in a Stanley Cup final. And, Jerry, you were there for one of them back yep. in 94 in New York when they beat Vancouver. Um, so was Ed. Ed was there as well, so yep. that, makes, that makes all three of us. I, know, I was, so, I was working security. This, Ed was working about, security that <laughs> night. So how, how many people did you let in the building? Because I've heard stories. The capacity was about 17,500. Mm-hmm. I think there were 30,000 people in the building that night. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's one for you. So there have been 16 Game 7s in the Stanley Cup Final. Only twice have they gone to overtime, 1950 and 1954. The last wow. player to score an overtime goal in a Game 7 of a final was named Tony Leswick in 1954. Ready for this one? He's Lenny Dykstra's uncle. you kidding. Oh, boy. Lenny Dykstra's uncle scored the last Game 7 overtime goal <laughs> in the NHL. Somehow I figure we're going to hear that during the broadcast tomorrow night on Westwood 1. And I'm sh- uh, Wednesday night. And I'm sure, uh, uh, Wednesday, I'm, sorry. I'm sure Lenny will be tweeting about it as well. Absolutely. <laughs> well, what's your general feeling? I, I, I just feel like this is really swung the Bruins' way lately. I thought St. Louis was going to take them last night. They came out, and it just seemed like it wasn't their night. And now but they've they, won in Boston before. They have, but I'm twice, telling you. Twice in the series, and, and Boston's yeah. won twice in St. Louis. It's been a road series. Home teams have only won two games. You probably have to give the Bruins a slight advantage playing at home. Yep. Um, they won a game seven against Toronto at home. There really doesn't seem to be any momentum carryover in this series. You know, after game one, everyone thought Bruins in four or five. And then after game two, people thought Blues in five or six. Yeah. And back and forth. And then the Bruins, Bruins win game three, seven, two, and you think it's over. And then the Blues win the next two games. Yeah. And I know a lot of the comments coming out of the Blues locker room last night had to do with the fact that they've been a great road team. Uh, when they turn things around, Remember, they had the worst record in the league, the Blues, on January 3rd. Yeah, it's hard to believe. And they wound up, from mid-January through mid-March, they played 22 out of 30 games on the road. They barely had any home games. And they had great success. And in the playoffs, they've already won nine road games. The NHL record is 10 in the postseason for road wins. So they're confident on the road. And like Jerry said, they've already won two games in Boston. But we'll see. I think it'll be a close game and certainly wouldn't be surprised if it goes to overtime. Man, the Blues blew the perfect opportunity. They were at home. The Bruins were reeling, emotionally frustrated after losing at home in game number five. And now you have a crazy city ready to get on fire that is used to winning championships. And everybody in that city expecting to win another championship because that's just what they do. The Blues are going to need lady luck in this one because they coughed up the perfect chance Close out their first Stanley Cup in franchise history at home. And a huge third period flurry of offense by the Bruins broken wide open. And you got to think if you're a Blues fan, we blew our best chance to do it. And now it's an uphill climb. We'll see if they can on Wednesday night. But before then, we'll see if the Toronto Raptors can tonight. That'll do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.